1: Egg Chasers, here we go. Uh, we are bringing you a quick post-match makeshift podcast. We will do the full podcast when we can get the three of us together. But down the line, I have JB. How are you doing? Hello, Tim.
2: How are you? Uh, yeah, where are you, mate? What's going on? Oh, my God. So I'll give you a little snapshot into my life. Do you know, some people say that this podcast is free to do. It costs us nothing. I can tell you right now, it costs us a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I am in Crewe in the car park for Marks and Spencers. I've got a wedding in approximately 45 minutes, which gives me a window of 30 minutes of recording. I got dressed for the wedding and realised that I don't like my trousers. They're not bad trousers. They're very nice trousers, but I don't quite like them. So I had to go to Marks and Spencer's, threw on the trousers. I wasn't allowed to, to, to use the fitting room, so I just got undressed there and then in Marks and Spencer's. And <laughs> um, wandered downstairs, and I had to sort of shuffle onto the counter so she could scan my arse. And now I'm, uh, yeah. In my new trousers, that in the car park, talking about <laughs> South
1: Africa and the Lions. What a game it was as well. Um, well, what a, uh, there's so much to talk about in terms of that game. But uh, the first thing I want to make absolutely clear before we go any further, just so there can be no avoidance of doubt, South Africa were by far the better team, absolutely deserved to win and beat the Lions up. That is the headline.
2: I don't know if I agree with, uh, agree with you, Tim. Really? I do agree with you. So, first half, it looked like it was on as even, didn't you think?
1: Oh, yeah, no, first half for sure. But much like last yeah. week, the second half, there was a yeah. a, bi- a big divergence in the quality of the two teams and the Lions were much better. This week, South Africa were much better as well and they were more better this week. Sorry, that, that doesn't make sense. They were, the gap they were between...
2: better than the Lions were more better.
1: Correct. You understand yeah, what agree. I'm trying to say. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's like a physical. It was an incredibly physical game. I mean, I thought it was a, so I thought this game yesterday could well have been like the first test, which is it was so tight. The two tries that South Africa scored, they may well not have scored them. Uh, and they came from two very, very good pe- pieces, pieces of play. Um, but that was the difference between the two, uh, two teams. It was those two incidences and, you know, they, they were few and far between. You know, if South Africa hadn't been so clinical, which is actually to back you up why they were, you know, the, the better team, this, this would have ended up like the first test and be decided by a couple of points.
1: Well, uh, in, in that second half, uh, I, I mean, it's unbelievable the 180 turnaround from last week because penalty count, South Africa dominated this week, whereas the Lions were well on top last week. More scrum, uh, aerial battle, all the areas that the Lions got right in the second half last week, or South Africa got wrong, it was a complete reversal, which was it's why it's so bizarre watching the two games only seven days apart.
2: Yeah, it just shows how fine the margins are because I don't think that South Africa were completely dominant in the air. They were, say, 5% more dominant, and they're 5% more dom- dom- dominant in, in the scrum. And I think when games are so tight, you know, you end up looking at it and think, oh my God, they got battered. And actually, when the Lions come back into it in the third test, it's not going to take much for this to be incredibly close again.
1: Yeah. Uh, Although, I don't know. Well, I suppose one of the first things to say is uh, if you were a slightly undercooked team in terms of fitness and preparation, as South Africa were before this test series, having a match spread over three hours would be uh, one advantage. Like that first half was 64 minutes was like it? A, it was like NFL.
2: I loved it though. I loved it. I mean, I've never been, not never. I can't remember last time I was so excited by a game in game. So the Lions all week has really underwhelmed me. I've hardly paid any attention to it. You know, I saw the teams. I just wasn't excited by it. But when they kicked off and then they kicked off, I thought, yeah, this is real big boy rugby. I mean, anyone who was looking at that thinking, oh, the refs lost control or you know, the let's kick, kick it out of the game or change behaviours. No, it was unbelievably good to watch. And I thought the Lions went toe to toe with South Africa in the physicality stakes. No, and, I, and also yeah. the mental games at play here, trying to get one up, uh, one up on each other, trying to intimidate each other, trying to bully each other. I mean, this is old school mental and physical bullying. This is bullying in the actual worst sense of the word. And you've got to overcome it. It's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was like at one point they gave that legendary ninety-nine call, and just you had thirty men in a in a huddle. I suppose the only disappointment from a purist point of view is that not a single punch could be thrown. They just had yeah. to sort of hug, and it was like WWE. Um, uh, some of the, the the well, like Eben Elizabeth and Alan Win Jones, squaring up that to each cool. other. Loved it, loved it. Well. Uh,
2: um... Etzabeth and Mario Otoji later. I mean, I I love the Otoji one more in some ways. I know the Alan Wynne-Jones encounter with Etzabeth is iconic, I think. There'll be some really good stills of that. But the the reason I like the Otoji one is it's so clear that Etzabeth gets his own way physically with pretty much everyone. And he gets Otoji off balance and he goes to launch into ground. And Otoji is just this incredible specimen. He regains his balance, stands up. And I think... Ed Smith's a little bit shocked that this guy's still standing up. It's like, oh, hang on a minute. This isn't meant to happen.
1: I agree. J- Jay, one thing I'm just picking up that you said, you said you haven't been interested in in the Lions all week. So no. did did did, did uh, Yako Johan and all of that completely go over your head?
2: Yeah, completely. I didn't I watched like three minutes of the Razi Erasmus video. I thought I I don't have an hour of my life to watch this. And, yeah, I saw somebody tweet about Yako Johan, who apparently is a burner account for Razzy Erasmus. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he says it's not, but it, it 100% is. <laughs> I, and I was, I was, so I was laughing at all that early in the week. And then the the, the one hour video that Razi Erasmus made, I, mean, I, I think we should wait till we have Phil on tomorrow and talk about that in more depth. It, I mean, he's going to get, abs- or he should, get absolutely hammered by World Rugby, like maybe months of a touchline okay.
2: ban. I mean, I'm just so bored of the confected outrage around rugby. Look,
1: he had something to say.
2: I'm glad he said it.
1: Well, mm. uh, well, let's let's wait because I imagine what will probably happen is I'll have one view, you, you'll have another, and Phil will be somewhere in the middle. We need that 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 third, that third wheel. We need.
2: One of the reasons I got bored of rugby this week was not because of the antics of the coaches, which I really like. Actually, I really like them talking smack about each other. I really like them with their laptops. It reminds me of, there's an old NFL um, greatest games, or is it the... What's that one? What's the documentary they do when they go to the Super Bowl, like Road to Super Bowl?
1: Um, Yes, I know the series. They follow the winning team. They make a documentary retrospectively, yeah. I can't remember what it's called.
2: It's the New York Jets one, and I'm sure that... uh, I can't even remember his name now. The old Jets, uh, Broadway Joe, what's Joe his name? Joe Namath. Joe Namath. I'm sure he sort of bets, you know, bets his life that he's going to win the Super Bowl and that causes all sorts of consternation. I love it. I absolutely love it. I wish that rugby is a little bit more like UFC or WWE where <laughs> they can just talk smack about each other. Just get each other riled up because by the time that ball is kicked off, uh, the contest becomes so much more dynamic and tasty and it's just much better. But it was all of the hand-wringing from the authorities around rugby and how the game's in a state of you know, disrepute and all the rest of it. I, I think it's nonsense. I think just let them talk, let them talk smack, and then when we get onto the field, they'll sort it
1: out. Yeah, I guess the only issue I have with that, and again, we'll, we'll talk in, in more depth about this with Phil tomorrow. Uh, the, the only issue I have with that is that that concept of respect and I'm not wanting to go overboard on rugby values and all the rest of it. Cause I think that that happens too much. I'm not trying to profess that rugby's a, a game with incredible morals and values up, over and above any other sport. That's not what I'm saying. However, whether you go to mini rugby on a Sunday, whether you stand in the crowd with opposing fans, whether you're on the field at the elite level down to the amateur, that, yeah. that respect for a referee calling someone, sir, and whatever decision he makes he's made the decision and that is the correct decision and you yeah. just have to deal with it.
2: There but is when... a limit, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and, and I think I think Razzy Erasmus is doing a huge disservice to, the, to that ethic in rugby that we've built up over 150 years.
2: Yeah, so I will make this distinc- distinction. Talk about your opposition as much as you like, but the pressuring of refs becomes something which I'm not a big fan of, actually. So when you start bringing the officials into it, that's none of your business. They are there, just there to you know, execute the laws of the game as they see them. You can talk about your opposition all day long. If you want to talk about your opposition being a cheat, that's fine. But then don't talk about the ref letting in cheat because then that is not fine.
1: Yeah, I think that's a decent distinction to make. And also, I think what I saw yesterday was, well, this week since the video, was a total lack of contrition. And I think this is part of the fact that there is no contact with the outside world at the minute, you've just got these squads totally isolated. So Sia Khaleesi on Friday, I was quite disappointed that he seemed to just go all in on what Razzi Erasmus was saying in his video and didn't sort of temper it at all. It sounds like they've drunk the Kool-Aid a little bit in the South African squad. And then I thought maybe Razzi Erasmus might not be the water carrier because after that hour long video being on the field, stood right next to the referee during a game. I thought maybe they might show a little bit of contrition there and, and not do that, but they, they didn't. They went all in. So... Uh, for, that me- reason, I, for that reason, I think he'll get in a lot of trouble. But uh, hey, yeah. it, it gave everyone a lot of talk. A yeah, lot to let, talk me- about.
2: let me give you some life advice, Tim. Um, and I think Razzie Rasmus has taken this on board. Never apologise.
1: <laughs> never- yeah, I mean, I tend to in, in public life now, I tend to agree because apologising gets you nowhere these days. People, you know don't, pe- people actually don't want to uh, kind of forgive or uh, deal with remorse. They just say, "We well, shouldn't have done it in the first place. You're cancelled. So...
2: Yeah, you cancelled. Oh, it's a consequence. No, I've heard a new one uh, uh, this week, Tim. It's not been cancelled, it's been consequenced. (laughs) That's a new one. How how 1984? You didn't get cancelled, mate. You've been consequenced. is consequences.
1: (laughs) Well, at least least this time, we had a game of free-flowing attacking rugby and not many uh, controversial, contentious decisions to talk about that involved a TMO.
2: Wow. Isn't this (laughs) interesting? I mean... There is, there is a case to be answered here. And it's not one for the coaches to bring up, but it is one for people like you and I to bring up. I think Cheslin Colby should have been sent off twice. I can't see how he doesn't get sent off for head-to-head contact. I don't want him to be sent off head-to-head contact. I think in the spirit of the game, historically, the referee made the right decision. But according to every flowchart I've ever seen, Cheslin Colby has a red card for hitting Chris Tom Harris Curry. in the head. Or Tom, Curry. Tom, Tom, Tom Curry. Tom Curry, sorry, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Again, I'm with you. I actually would prefer that that wasn't a red card because accidents can and do happen. And um, and that's just something you have to accept. And clearly, I know you can't get into intent, but in terms of the flow chart, I totally agree. And I, I've, I've said this before. I, I've seen Faf de Klerk do the, exactly the same thing in premiership games. And I've mentioned it, that little people, if that had been the other way around, and it had been Tom oh, Curry on Cheslin Colby. It had been a red card, no question and 100%. But in fairness to the ref
2: he he went out there and he was lenient. So a du on van der merwe yellow card. I think tripping is a pretty bad offense. So he could have been hacking for the ball, he could have been doing was all sorts. I
1: think it was he was uh, that's where I think it, a yellow card's fine because he was he was trying to kick the ball. Like, I mean for that reason I might have gone penalty only um but it was only because actually the the, the kick wasn't that bad and it was only that uh, it was Colby he got wasn't it. It was only that Colby <laughs> Fell into Mapimpi's leg. That's why he got hurt. The actual, the actual attempted fly hack that caught his leg wasn't as reck yeah. wasn't as I reckless. Mean, you but
2: have to, you have to be very fortunate to have the ref interpret what he did as a fly hack, which is you know he can do. I think equally a ref could interp- interpret that as a rather cynical trip. Yeah, you can go either way. Now, if it's a trip, it's a red card. If it's a fly hack, it's a yellow card. So on that, in that respect, he got lucky. But I just, you know, it was nice to know the ref was being very loose with the loose with the laws. And as soon as both teams worked that out, it then became a became a better game because you know what your limits are.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I think you're right in saying that Cheslin Colby could well have had two red cards because, uh, <laughs> well, I, th- I think Ben O'Keefe, while you've got to give him credit, and, and Mariusz Jonka the TMO, you've got to give him credit for handling the pressure, a massive amount of pressure they must have been up. Uh, uh, yeah against with everything going on this week, the one thing they need to brush up on is anatomy because if that is what they think a back is then um, on Connor Murray, then I don't know, maybe maybe uh, Connor Murray's neck is so muscular that they couldn't quite distinguish where his back began and his there, head.
2: <laughs> there is no doubt to me, Connor Murray landed on his face. Yeah. So there, was some, there was some argument, did he dive on his face? At which point I think, what are we talking about here? The man has landed on his face. Whether he dived there, I mean, it's one hell of a thing to dive on, on your face in the space of 0.2 seconds. I mean, you've got to be some athlete. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Conor Murray is, is, is that good. But even if he is that good, at this point now, he can take it out in the air. It's his right to, to dive on his face. If he can pull off a dive to, to the face oh. in mid-air,
1: <laughs> more power to him. Yeah, I think Colby was quite lucky. I think Conor Murray's foot Touched the floor first, which probably yeah. got him off of it. I mean, the, the other one, um, j- just let's get, get these out of the way. Again, I'm not making any excuses. I'm not trying to suggest South Africa weren't by far the best team they were and they deserved to win. But it did make me laugh that, uh, the, I, and I've talked about the broadcasting quality in South oh Africa. It's absolutely dreadful. The the lack of replays. I mean, even the good stuff. I'm not just talking about red card decisions here. In the first minute, Chris Harris put in a huge hit on Lacanio Am, the kind of hit that Lacanio Am put in on Elliot Daly last week. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I want to see a replay of that. Saw nothing. And when it came to some contentious decisions, you saw 45 different angles and checks and speeds of play to see if South Africa scored a try. One very, very quick, one very, very quick check. Did Faf Clerk do a high tackle?
2: I don't know if this is true or not. So don't hold me to it, but I think culturally in South Africa, they must, as a rugby view in public, play a game called guess what card has been handed out by the expression on the player's face as he walks off. So the camera is focused purely on the player, but not the ref. We'd have no idea what card the ref has given the player. You just see the player walking. And the whole pub is talking to you like, it's a red. No, it's a yellow. It's a red. The TV, About 10 seconds later, the TV director puts up, it's a red or a yellow. But you have no idea what card has been issued because there's no sight of the ref. It's just the player walk, walking off the field.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, it was shocking. In, in terms of broadcasting as well, I was disappointed this time. Ronan O'Gara's got rid of his empty wall chart and just had a bare wall behind him this time. it. What a shame. Which
2: basically is as informative as his empty wall chart. <laughs> <laughs> More or less the same
1: thing. Uh, yeah, but um, I mean, at the end of the day for the Lions, if you can't scrummage and you can't catch, then all, all the refereeing decisions in the world won't, won't make a single bit of difference yeah. to whether you win a game.
2: Yeah, the Lions need to go away from this and realise that they did get bettered in a, in a in lot of areas. Not substantially bettered, but they got bettered.
1: They got um, consequenced.
2: They got consequenced. That's exactly right. They got consequenced. And I think next week is going to be an almighty test. Because I, this is where I've ended up with the Lions. I think every Lions test is pretty much a disappointment in terms of the quality of rugby. The whole point of the Lions is the Lions are a bad team. They're always a bad team. But they've got excellent players in it. So can the excellence of the players outshine the terribleness of the team? Sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. But that's why it's a, it's such an exciting proposition. The standard of rugby is usually pretty poor, to be honest. Uh, you know, the home team will do all right. But the Lions will be pretty poor. The Gatland way of playing rugby suits the Lions and how they are organised in the amount of time that they have. So, so much better than almost any other coach. And I think we're going to see South Africa playing like Gatland and Gatland playing like Gatland next week in the most brutal iteration of this type of rugby.
1: That's interesting because the, the kind of reaction I'm reading everywhere today, I was going through the rugby paper, I was looking at the, the Times and various other newspapers and there, and there seems to be a general trend where they're saying, oh, he's got to let the shackles off now.
2: no. Absolutely not. That is the most stupid thing in the world. You're not going to beat South Africa by running around them. I mean, you might like two in ten or something if you're exceptional, and not only are you exceptional, you're exceptional with settled pairings and a mature team who've been together for five years. You're not going to do it with the Lions. You need you need to outphysical them. You need to play the type of rugby which keeps you in the fight. And right at the end, if you can steal the try or steal the kick or slowly build a gradual lead, that's what you do. It's telling, isn't it, that both these teams take their kicks rather than go through the corners for a lot you know, a lot more than you would see in the Premiership or even in Six Nations. And the reason being is because it's proper big boy physical rugby.
1: Mm. Uh, the second half, it was there was only one team in it, but that, there was a, just like at the end of the first half last week when Maru Itoji got that uh, penalty turnover on the Lions' own line. That, a stop of Henshaw's try by Khaleesi was unbelievable. I don't know how he managed Wasn't
2: that. It? Wasn't it just... I mean, that. I mean, that is a classic example, isn't it, of where the South Africans got it right, just that 2%, or that 5%, and the Lions got it wrong. That try goes over, we're looking at a very, very close, close test. Yeah. Henshaw was excellent, actually. I really enjoyed what, watching him play. And I enjoyed how they utilised his skill, which is that Gaelic football going up with your spindly little arms and trying to grab the ball.
1: Yeah, there weren't many uh, high points for the Lions, really. He he was one. Um, it's going to be, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, I thought, I don't know. I, it's, I'm trying to pass out how much of the poor Lions' performances was just simply that South Africa are a really, really good team. But the back three looked all at sea yesterday.
2: Yeah, they probably did. Duan is the guy who I think might miss out next week. But other than that, well, keep
1: it the same. I think Hog, I think go Hogg's going to miss out as well. I think Exeter's second best fullback might miss out for the Lions as well. Yeah, quite possible. Quite possible. He had a bad game by his, by his very high standards.
2: Someone said something to me, and it has been bothering me this for a little while, but I've kind of ignored it, which is Hogg looks heavy. He really does look heavy. Now, I know he's a big man anyway. And I know he's very powerful. He's got massive legs. And a lot of it is good weight. But he is a big old lump.
1: He's got that. He, maybe he's just developing that signature Exeter rump that, that they could get.
2: well be it, actually.
1: He's just doing maybe. those ex- Exeter deadlifts all day.
2: So who would you bring in to replace him, then? Uh, uh, Liam Williams. Sam Simmons?
1: Liam Williams and Josh Adams for Duan van der Merver and Stuart Hogg. Yeah, I mean Anthony. Anthony Watson wasn't great either, to be honest. But
2: he, yeah, he had his classic Anthony Watson a couple of seconds of brilliance. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't he wasn't as dangerous as he usually is. But I think that's more more consequence of him not getting the ball. I understand Chris Harris touched the ball eight times and made not a single carry or a single meters worth. Of, um, a single meters worth of ground.
1: Well, same. And that's look, the same stat as Elliot Daly last week. Like last week, Elliot Daly was six carries, zero meters, zero defenders beaten, and uh, Chris Harris was eight carries, zero meters, zero defenders beaten.
2: But here's the interesting part: Le'Carneo Arm had similar stats. Oh, really? Yeah. So it tells you what kind of game that we're watching.
1: It really does, uh, and uh, and it also shows it's going to be. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it is personnel. I think you might be right. It is. It's just about how you set your team up and the tiny margins and who gets it right on the day.
2: Yeah, that's that's all. All all this game is um, because they're playing. They're playing ident- identical rugby to, to each other.
1: There were so many that's things cool. I loved in this. There was. A, did you see um, Maruitogi's signature hand clap in Franco Mostert's face? I, I loved No, that. I did
2: not see him clapping uh, his hands.
1: Uh, and also, a lot of a lot of people in South Africa were focusing on Maru Itoji, um Kneeling over Damian D'Alande, um as well. He's, he's such <laughs> a shit, he's such a shit out in a in a brilliant way. I love it, OG.
2: Well, you, know, you you've got to take every inch that the opposition give you, particularly if it against South Africa, particularly.
1: What? Yeah. The and, and uh, thing is
2: about Mario is he backs up his shit with his utter class. Yeah. I don't mean like oh that's class, you know, because he's clapping the opposition off. I mean class is in a in in a rugby sense. He can pull it off. He can do whatever he wants. I I'm mean so- there is. There was one part where him, Courtney and Alan Winn are in the lineup and they're looking over at South Africans. I thought, first half, I was thinking, I'm super confident with those three men on the field that they have what it takes to uh, out-masculine South Africa. Uh, anyway, that went wrong.
1: Yeah, it did. And I, I, I think the Lions were 9-6 up when Peter Stefter Toy goes off. And I thought that that's the one player on the field South Africa can't replace. And yeah, they, brought on, they, brought on, they brought on Quagga Smith. But actually, a huge turning point was when they took off Jasper Visa and brought on uh, Lou Diaga, and they had the three locks in the, in the pack. And I think that was a big part of why they absolutely monstered the Lions in yeah, the second being, half.
2: Visa was quite kind of ineffective, really. I think everyone who relies on individual brilliance was ineffective yesterday. Um, that goes for, I mean, Colby had a nightmare um Jasper viso was not the force of nature that he's been for tigers uh you just go good on the list Every, everyone who is oh, Ant- like anthony watson another guy who just wasn't really able to shine it's such a suffocating environment this is what happens
1: that's a good shout actually and the people that have really good kind of intelligent rugby brains actually were the ones that showed up quite well the like, clerk being one he had some key moments but he would just get how south africa play and he uh he holds it all together. And then Sia Khaleesi was awesome as well.
2: Yeah, this hurts my heart to say it. I think I would be open, but not necessarily, I'd be open to starting Farrell at 10 next weekend. He came on and he just puts in this beautiful kick. I thought that's sort of what they need now.
1: So yeah, interesting. So you're go you're going very much against the grain. I'll be interested to see what Phil thinks. I'm kind of, I think I'm with you a little bit, that pragmatic and... Cons- and uh, pers- playing percentages and being pragmatic is-, is possibly the way to go and a lot of people will be dead against that and they'll be saying get Finn Russell in at 10 get uh, Josh Adams in- into the back three um, go for an attacking style go quicker get Hamish Watson in instead of Tom Curry I think a lot of people will be That's saying it. that this week
2: because they don't know what they're talking about anyone who says that does not know what they are talking about it's, it's, it's stupid you can only play these, the, these players once they've settled in. I mean, Finn, Finn Russell's not even been playing rugby for the best part of you know, two weeks. You know, well, how do you expect him to... He's a very special player and he needs, he needs time. He doesn't need the time, actually. The people around him need the time to understand him, to get the best out of his brilliance. But if you don't have that time, well, they do. In a week, form, uh, form a completely cohesive attacking unit. Attacking rugby takes time. Defense, defensive rugby doesn't.
1: Mm, I I think we should pick that conversation up with Phil. Do you know what I really like about the fact we've accidentally got into this situation because you've got weddings and Phil's on holiday in Wales. We've accidentally got a situation where we're going to be doing a podcast on a Monday and we always make sure we have a podcast for you every single Monday morning. That's why we've done this one now. But last week we had the whole Yako Johan stuff kick off after we'd recorded the podcast. I'm hoping that uh, there might be some videos coming out. Warren Gatland might do an, a, a one-hour epic breaking down Ben O'Keefe's performance from the weekend. Razzie Erasmus might do the same. We might have a Lord of the Rings trilogy to go through before we do a podcast tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, and I like, I quite liked um, the background that Razzie, uh, Razzie had for his breakdown. I'm hoping if we get the breakdown from Warren, it's like in a, in like a scruffy hotel room with empty miniature bottles of spirits everywhere and he records it about two in the morning.
1: Uh, also, we what we might hear uh, uh, before to, doing a podcast tomorrow is something from World Rugby because th- they've been quiet for now, but I, at some point, as I say, I think they're going to drop the hammer on Razi Erasmus. I, I was looking into it and Brendan Venter got in trouble for just in a post-match chat, criticising a referee. And uh, I think, yeah, when he was at Saracens and he got weeks and weeks. We've had, um, I was, I'll, I'll look up some of the sort of stats, but I, I, as I say, I think Razi Erasmus c- could be looking at months.
2: Yeah, well let's punish him after the Lions tour. Let, let let's get yeah. it sorted and then that's do a fair whatever point. you do whatever you want to after the Lions tour, but let let us have our fun first. Um
1: that's a good shout. I just love that there's there's a clearly animosity now. That's what I, I really it just together. adds an edge. Yeah.
2: Great. Um hey. Do you wanna know what I know about J- Jamie Cudmore? And also do you wanna hear about what I what I bought this week?
1: Uh I wanna hear Jamie Cudmore. Tell me about Cuddles
2: well um, okay fascinating stuff and i will tell you tomorrow on the podcast with phil
0: oh you little tease
2: oh there you go what a professional
0: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: And what have you, what have you purchased? A boat. <laughs> you, you pulled the trigger. You were talking about this the other weekend. I thought it might just be one of your uh, just little pipe dreams that wouldn't come to reality what's she called
2: she's called the phyllis mabel and she is be- i'm in love mate I, I am absolutely in love she's 38 foot long she birthed six two diesel engines inboards, obviously cruises at nine knots wood uh, uh wooden hull construction she's in her 50th year year of existence yeah she's beautiful beautiful and she's been delivered to north wales ne- next week
1: oh from where
2: Dartmouth, which is another beautiful
1: place. Wonderful. So how is it getting delivered? Are they chugging it up? They're not chugging it up the coast. They're driving it, presumably.
2: Well, the plan was to sail it up the coast, right? And then everybody I spoke to said, what, you have no experience with boats and you want to sail 350 nautical miles? Uh, yeah, that, that is, broadly speaking, my plan. I said, no, you're nuts. Put it on a truck. So putting
1: on a truck. Amazing. Where's it Where's it going to be living? Conway. Oh, Conway, mate.
2: the new home. Absolutely all about her tomorrow mate
1: congratulations
2: you, 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 you can find out the rather unique way I, uh, about the rather unique way that i purchase boats tomorrow
1: jb you uh, honestly you you are nailing it as a broadcasting professional right now that tease there's nobody not going to be tuning in now and if you haven't already hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts find him at Jay Beardmore for pictures of phyllis mabel no doubt uh, some steamy, steamy boat picks. And, <laughs> um, and we're at Rugby Podcast um, and it's patreon.com slash eggchases. And we'll, we will see you very shortly. Let the boys play. Let the boys play.